uh, in answer to prayer. This week's parasha begins with Jacob living in the land of Egypt for 17 years. This is after he met with Pharaoh. We talked about that last week. And uh, he gives blessings to his children. Now, again, when we read the, the scriptures, I, when I read the scriptures, let me, let me put it that way, I read the scriptures with a view towards how does this teach me about God and the Messiah? If, if I, when I read the scriptures, that's what I'm looking for. So when I see things in the scriptures, those are the, that's what I want to find because I believe personally that every letter in the Torah, every letter in the Tanakh, every letter in the Brit Chadashah that was written was written purposely to demonstrate God and to demonstrate Yeshua and that we should read it in that format. So we're reading this series of parashot in which uh, we talk about Joseph and, and Jacob and the children of Israel and Egypt and all that goes on. And there are so many types and shadows, so many symbolic statements that connect uh, Joseph and Yeshua. One I left off last week was it's interesting that both of them had expensive clothes. Uh, you know, Joseph had the, the coat with long sleeves. By the way, if your Bible says coat of many colors, whoever translated it doesn't read Hebrew. Uh, because the Hebrew says long sleeve, and the reason it says long sleeve is because sleeves are an extravagance. People didn't put sleeves on clothes unless they had extra money. You didn't need long sleeves, you just needed to cover up. So having long sleeves was a sign of extravagance in those days. It's kind of like, has anybody ever heard somebody tell the Passover story and we got to the part about the folded napkin uh, that Yeshua, you know, the face covering that was there and how it was folded and, and how traditionally if you folded your napkin at the table that meant you were coming back for more meal. You know, I'm going to return, don't take my plate. You know, we do that today. When I go to a restaurant and I eat, and, or even at the house, if I eat and I fold my napkin up and put it there, it lets them know I'm coming back. If I crumble it up and throw it on my plate, that means I'm done. Well, let me say this. In Yeshua's time, they didn't use napkins like that. That was an extravagance. It was a waste. They used sleeves and arms. So those of us that go, we're just being biblical. <laughs> so it, it's just an extravagance. It's a modern convenience. It's like closets. Most of the world doesn't have closets. Most of the world before the United States didn't put closets in. They had uh, armoires. If you go to Europe, none of the older houses have closets. Closets are a strictly American convenience and extravagance. It's a way for us to say we have enough money to put a room in our room. Because we're American. We can do that. So extravagances. The coat is like that. But all, all, both of them had bloody coats. Joseph's coat they put the blood on, Yeshua's coat, bloody from the execution from his treatment. So it's another symbol. But I was looking at this Parsha and, and looking at the, bl the blessings that, uh, that Jacob gave to his children, uh, and uh, it, it made me think I went to uh, Israel, and Hadassah Hospital in Israel has uh, Mark Chagall made these beautiful stained glass windows that are his thoughts and depictions of these blessings. And if you can go online and look at them, they're amazing. But each one of the blessings 
that Jacob gives to his sons are very meaningful, very powerful. Uh, but we look at them and we think about things, for instance, um, in his blessing over Judah. He says this, Judah, you are he whom your brother shall praise. Your hand shall be in the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down to you uh, to, in your presence. Judah is a young lion's whelp. From prey, my son, you are gone up. He stooped down and couched as a, he couches a lion as an old lion and shall rise him up. The staff shall not depart from Judah nor the scepter from between his feet until Shiloh come. And to him shall be the obedience of the, uh, shall the obedience of the people be. Does anybody understand that? It's I mean there's there's blessing in there, but it's not easily understood by us today. It's not like you know, oh Judah, you're going to have a nice house, a nice car, and a nice wife and family. That that's not what we see there. It's it's much more detailed. Matter of fact, verse ten in here, when I'm sharing the good news or trying to share the good news of Yeshua with a Jewish person, that verse ten is the first verse I go to. I know a lot of people go to Isaiah fifty three and and other places, but I go right there because this verse promises that there will be a king in Judah until Shiloh comes. Uh, Shiloh in the Hebrew and Shiloh. Uh, is a reference according to the rabbis to it, it's the word that says until he whom it belongs comes and so the rabbis say this is talking about the messiah and so i ask when was the last time there was a king in judah not of the tribe of judah although that's a reference here but a king in judah the last time there was a king in judah was when herod ruled and then there weren't any more kings in Judah. So Messiah had to come before Herod was dethroned in order for there to be a Messiah. And that's not me saying that. That's what the rabbis teach. And so that's where I go first. But So there's this kingship that's attributed to Judah, and these things happen. And then just before that, we see the blessing uh, given to Simeon and Levi says, Simeon and Levi are brothers, instruments of cruelty are their swords. My soul do, do not come into their council, into their assembly. Let my, let my honor not be united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their wanton will they lamed an ox. Could you imagine your father saying that over you? I'm about to die, and I want to bless you before I do. And this is your blessing. But beyond that, and by the way, I encourage you, if you haven't read all of the blessings, read them and then kind of read through the text of the rest of the Bible looking for answers and understandings of them. But what I want to point out this morning is that these verses to Judah was not, you know, when we think about, okay, we're going to choose someone to be the king of Israel and all of his descendants, out of, if all we're looking at is the tribe's uh, the descendants, the sons of Jacob, Judah probably would not be our choice. Uh, by now, Judah's already been with a prostitute. He's done some other stuff that isn't so seemly. He could actually have lived in our time and been normal. 
But in biblical times, that wasn't so normal. But this is Judah. He's also the one who makes the, uh, the decision to sell Joseph into slavery rather than kill him because at least that way they can make money from it. Judah's not, I mean, if you're thinking, okay, I want to raise somebody up, who am I going to choose? You know, if I look out at our congregation and I'm going to, I'm going to put somebody in charge of something really honorable and important, there are some of you wouldn't even make the list. You know what I mean? It's not that you're not nice people and I don't love you, but there's some of you that just wouldn't make the list. I don't think I'd be on the list if I had to choose people to do something really important and get highly honored for it. Some of you would be on the list. Some of you would not be on the list. Some of you wouldn't even be thought of when we were making the list. But Levi and Judah, they wouldn't be there at all if we were looking at Jacob's kids. But Judah is chosen for the royalty and the kingship of Israel. Now, one of the reasons is Judah is also the one that says, take me instead of Benjamin. There's a change that happens in Judah, but there's other things that go on in Judah. Interesting, because Levi and Simeon both commit the same We read about this just a few weeks ago. Dina gets raped. They decide they're going and they say, look, you guys can be with us as long as all of your men get circumcised. And then they circumcise all the men and then Simeon and Levi are the two guys who go in with their swords and kill everybody. These guys have blood on their hands of an entire city and yet Levi is the one that God chooses to be the priesthood. Did you ever think about that before? I mean, most times we just assume God made a good choice and we go on and we don't really think about what happened here. But these are not the people that would be the ones we would choose to be the people involved in these things. And listen, I got to tell you, if you were trying to choose someone to do what I do 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I wouldn't be on the list of people you would choose. Matter of fact, if we look through the scripture, rarely does God choose the people we would choose to do anything. And the one time he allowed us to choose somebody, it was Saul. But he chooses to raise up Levi as the priesthood, and Judah as the king. And I don't know about you, but those are two of the most comforting thoughts that I find in the Scripture. That God chose two people that least deserved His mercy, His grace, and His restoration. And He gave mercy, grace, and not only restored them, but raised them up. I find that a powerful statement of God's love and mercy and a powerful statement of what God does through Yeshua. He took a a young man, myself, who was not 
righteous in anybody's uh, terms of. I mean, when I was young, uh, my brothers and I used to steal money from the Sadaka boxes. And we actually stole the Sadaka boxes. We were juvenile delinquents. We used to go into, now those, you're, this is not going to mean anything to you, but we had Conti's Delicatessen was next to Colonial Stationery Store. Colonial Stationery Store is where they had donuts and sodas, and Conti's Deli was where they had bagels and stuff like that. They, were, they had a connecting back door, so we used to steal donuts in the stationery store and run through the back door and out the front door of Conti's Deli, and if we wanted to steal bagels, we would do it the other way. We were horrible. We had, we had figured out that you can take rubber bands and tie them together and put alligator clips on the end of them. And you could run, hook a rubber band on your finger, run it up through your jacket, and have the alligator clip in your hand, and you could clip that clip on a candy bar. And it sling up through your jacket and into your pocket. We also found out that you could actually cut a line in the seam of your pocket so that you could slide the candy bar into the lining of your jacket. So if somebody actually challenged you, you could pull your pockets out and show you didn't have anything. I'm not telling this to you to give you ideas on what to do. Although I see some of our young people taking copious notes. I'm telling you this because I was not a righteous person. I was an alcoholic. I had all kinds of problems. I stole things. I did things that were immoral. I would not be the person that you, if you just looked at that and said, who do I want to be my spiritual leader? It wouldn't be me. And right now, Joanne's saying, you're on the bubble now, Rabbi. But through God's mercy and His grace and His forgiveness, He restored me and raised me up. And He has done that to every one of you. I mean, I've heard your stories. We could play one-up the sinner all day long here if we wanted to. Rabbi, you think that was bad? Let me tell you mine. I want to say, though, that God's forgiveness and His mercy and His restoration and His raising up was not without responsibility. Because God gave these two sinful men positions of authority with great responsibility. They didn't get away scot-free. He didn't just say, okay, I forgive you, go and do whatever you want to. He made Judah in charge of Israel. That meant he had a responsibility for every person in the land. 
You think you have problems just in your family? You think I have problems just with our congregation? Imagine being responsible for Israel for the rest of history. And I want you to understand, I'm not saying that to put that off on Judah because you and I, according to the Scripture, in both the Tanakh and the Brit Kadashah, were called to be kings. We have a responsibility because God forgave us, because He had mercy on us, because He restored us, and because He raised us up. We have a responsibility for all Israel, for history, for all the future. It's not just a matter of me and mine, it's me and everybody else. I have a responsibility, you have a responsibility for every person in the body of Messiah. We have a responsibility to make sure that they are well, that they are taken care of, that they are protected. We need to watch each other's back. And not just watching each other to see if we're involved in sin. But protecting each other from harm. Getting between harm and one of our family. And not just physically, but spiritually. We need to be praying for our family in the body of Messiah for protection and provision. I've told before, people sometimes say to me, Rabbi, how long do you pray? First, first of all, that's an impossible question to answer because I pray all the time. It doesn't mean I pray constantly. I wish I could, but, but every time I get a phone call, it's a need for a prayer. Every time something happens, it's a need for a prayer. Every time I see something, it's a need for a prayer. It's part of our life, but they say, how, you know, can you sit down in one time and pray for an hour? And the answer is, yeah, an hour is easy. All you have to do is pray one minute for 60 people. And every one of us knows 60 people. You don't even have to pray for yourself to get an hour out. Matter of fact, when I pray, the shortest part of my prayer is for myself because I'm assuming the rest of you are praying for me. And I'd much rather have several hundred praying for me than just me. So I pray for you. I make a list and I go down through the list and I pray and I pray and I pray and it's easy to do an hour. All you need is 60 people. We need to pray for one another. So Judah was given the responsibility for all of Israel. His blessing came with responsibility. And listen, God's forgiveness that redeemed every one of us came with it with responsibility. It's not the nonsense that we hear that all you have to do is say a prayer, shake hands, and that's it. We have a responsibility to the kingdom. We have a responsibility to the kingdom, and that kingdom has rules and regulations. We call it Torah. We call it God's Word. We call it His instructions. 
we have a responsibility. So that's Judah. But what about Levi? Levi's sin was shedding blood. Levi's blessing was being put in charge of shedding blood for the sins of Israel forever. Did you ever think about that? Oh, he's going to be the priest. He's going to be the high priest. He's going to preach. Their role was to shed blood for the sins of Israel forever. Being a priest was not just notoriety and fancy clothes. It was stench. It was blood. It was hard work. Have you ever butchered a cow? I butchered a frog one time. It was a lot of work. It was only this big, you know, in biology class. Did y'all have to do that? Do they still do that? You still have to dissect frogs in biology? That was my favorite class. <laughs> I won't go into that. But butchering a cow or a deer, how many hunters we have in here? I know we have a bunch of them. There's a lot of work to that. You go up, you sit in a tree, you wait for the deer, you shoot the deer, it ain't over. You got to carry that thing out of there. You got to hang it up, you got to cut it up, you got to make sure you do it right. There's a lot of work involved in that. Levi didn't get out of his sin with no responsibility or repercussions. His sin was taking the lives of human beings who wanted to enter covenant with God. His blessing was providing life to humans. But he had to shed blood and sacrifices continually to do that. You and I may not have killed a whole city full of people. Let me check. No, I think I'm okay. Settle down, Rabbi. But we have an obligation to make sacrifice for people in the kingdom. We have to be both kings and priests. Those sacrifices may be giving up our time, our energy. Sometimes it's giving up our calm. I like calm. By the way, I want to thank somebody just for a minute. Last week I had a great dilemma. How do I introduce colored socks to my... To my somebody said, Rabbi, this is easy. You have white socks for jeans, black socks for khakis, and Shabbat, you can wear the new ones. So it solved my problem. My calm was restored. I like calm. I like peace. I like rest. I like quiet. But a lot of times, our making sacrifice involves giving up all of that so that somebody 
can enter covenant with God or stay in covenant with God. We say, well, I don't want to get involved in all that tough. Well, that person, they're just a lot of work. They are high maintenance. Matter of fact, in a synagogue, they are high maintenance. They're just a pain. They're awful. I don't want to be by them. They're obnoxious. They're wrong. They're rude. They're, you know, a list, a list of things. And I'm not talking about anybody in here because none of you are like that. But there are people in your lives that test your patience. That do the same thing over and over and over. And no matter how many times you say, look, if you keep doing this, you're going to get the same result. They still do it. And then they look at you like a deer with a light in the headlights. And I don't know what happened. I don't understand. Why does this keep happening to me? It's like if you beat your head against the wall, you will get a headache. I keep getting a headache. I don't understand why. It's because you're doing the same thing over and over. But we still have to be patient and sacrifice our calm, our peace for them. We have to be priests who make sacrifices for those around us. When we look at Judah and Levi, they didn't get away with anything. They didn't. God didn't forget. And He doesn't forget you. Quite often what God does is send you somebody just like you. That really annoying person, that person you just can't stand, that person when they're coming toward you, you head the other way, that person you cross the street when you see, the person that when they walk into the grocery store, you look for another exit, chances are that's you. At least that's you before you came to the Lord. God's blessing to Judah and Levi is exactly the same as His blessing to us. He said, I called you to be kings and priests. I call you to be responsible for others and the kingdom. And I call you to make sacrifice for others in the kingdom. In our Haftorah reading, by the way, Lincoln did such a great job. I'm so, I always enjoy it when people get up and, and read from the Hebrew the you know, first few times they're doing it. And Listen, if you think it's a struggle for you to listen to, imagine you're the one saying it and hoping you say it right and do it right and wanting to do it right and wanting to give it your all. I appreciate Lincoln and others that, that step up and read from the Hebrew side of the book. This is what we read in 1 Kings. Keep the charge of Adonai your God. 
ways to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, his decrees, according to what is written in the Torah of Moses, so that you might succeed in all that you do wherever you turn, so that Adonai might fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, if your children watch their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart, with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. That speaks all the way through to today. These words interact with you and I. God says, keep the charge that I've given you. You are to be kings and priests. Yes, you're the last person who should be doing that. Yes, you don't deserve it. Yes, you don't have the ability, the talent, the training, the knowledge to do it. And yes, all of that is irrelevant because if you keep walking in my ways, keeping my statutes, my commandments, my ordinances, my decrees, you will succeed in all that you do. Let's all stand. Yeshua, our Messiah, became our king and our priest so that we would have an example of what it's like to be a king and a priest. Isn't she cute? So that we would know what it's like to rule, not to be bossy, not just to exert our authority, but to actually care about each person in the kingdom enough to die for them. And he's our high priest who shed his own blood for us while we were still sinners. something to think about when we consider how we're going to live and what we're going to do. When you look across the synagogue or you look across the store or you look across your job and you see somebody and you go, man, I hope they don't come talk to me. Man, I hope they don't do this. I just soon just think about is that being a king and is it being a priest? And if it's not, let God's ruach adjust your heart until you become someone that's willing to die for and someone who's willing to sacrifice for. If we want to see our friends and our family come to faith, that's the key. And God gave us the example of Simeon Levi and Judah so that we'd understand that. Avinu Shabbat Shemayim, our Father in heaven. 
we just ask this morning that you'll help us to look in our hearts and our minds. And if we're not serving and following your example as being a king and a priest, if we're not willing to lay down our life for those around us, if we're not willing to make a sacrifice, Father, change our hearts. So that we will. So that we can be conformed into your image and likeness. So that we can observe, obey, fulfill your charge. And we ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. B'shem Yeshua Meshachinus, our shalom. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Amen.